by the time you hear this podcast, hopefully you'll make some picket signs and take it to the streets. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the, by the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg and he's Ben. Hello. <laughs> so we have a few things we want to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first and it's, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have left you. <laughs> um, definitely. But, uh, Life happens. Uh, we have the Fourth of July weekend. Um, ben went to took his girlfriend to celebrate her birthday, I guess, mm-hmm. and then he got a cold. Yeah, I don't. That felt like more than a cold. That might have been a summer flu. It was awful. Sucker. Yeah, <laughs> she gave it to me. <laughs> um, but we're all healthy, and uh, we're able to do another show. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, as we talked about in the first episode we realized there's so many topics that um, we could delve into. And tonight, I think based on what's going on in the world, um, you know, we could talk about uh, how music, uh, how society is reflected in music in a way, or how, um, how artists, you know, they, they are, as the kids say, woke. Mm-hmm. You know, and and write some songs that really um, have a specific message. Sometimes specific targets, not necessarily like rap beef, like Joe Budden and Drake. If we ever get into that tonight, <laughs> but more like uh, criticisms or observations of uh, what can be considered, at the very least, questionable. Mm-hmm. Going really kind of examining the the quote-unquote status quo and really kind of creating something that might resonate with a group of people you know um Mm -hmm. whether it be you know and it's not not every song is always going to rub someone the right way but i mean like music it it should be personal and if it's something that you feel personally then you're going to say something about it so at least that's how i feel and i mean so i don't think really any of these sort of songs are made just, um, just to be made, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a, well, we're going to pound out this hit. We're going to bang out this hit and it's going to be big. Like these songs have meaning and I'm sure they have meaning to the people that are making them. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, um, we'll be getting into that a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, I guess we'll start on a lighter note before we get too heavy handed. <laughs> so, um, one of the, biggest artist in the EDM world who crossed over to the pop charts. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, uh, biggest pop stars in the world, even though like she was a country singer yeah. to me. And then, then she's doing, what's it called? Pop step. Yeah. Next, well, <laughs> a variation. It was like, next step thing music. you know, she's going from like, she's going from country to like, light pop rock and then she's just like full on like dream pop trying to be Lana Del Rey yeah trying to be Lord just you know not as good she tried but well, yeah. she won album of the year again for it and and she, but I don't, I don't know it's, why yeah it's, it's weird I mean I wonder whose idea it was but okay enough I'm pretty of sure criticizing. it was I'm pretty sure it was her idea <laughs> it, it might have been it was planned from the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should have known it was trouble when she walked in. But yeah. anyway, um, so 
Calvin Harris and Taylor Swift, they they broke up and big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just waiting for the song to be written about him. Mm-hmm. Um or songs, but <laughs> <laughs> but um in the news, I guess over the past at least week, yeah. if not the last two weeks, um, there have been some some interesting claims uh being made. Uh, from Taylor Swift's side and then Calvin Harris having a chance to respond. So, but Ben knows more about this cause I, yeah. I, I didn't read anything about it, but well, I mean, it's, it's a case of, uh, as Drake said once, you know, trigger, fi- trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. I mean, it was basically, you know, Taylor Swift calling out, you know, Calvin Harris on Twitter. And I guess he's just not having it. You know, a lot of people said she was trying to bury him. Like she buried, like she tried to bury Katie, um, Katie Perry, um, for the dumbest reasons. I mean, like Katy Perry, they accused her of stealing a backup dancer. Like, come on, man. Like, these are the, the, the... And that's how bad blood was born. Yeah. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, and, and I guess for the, what he's referencing there, for some of you might not know, like, it's rumored that bad blood was about Taylor Swift. Not Taylor Swift, about Katy Perry. Now she stole a backup. Like, that's just the stupidest things. And, God, that video was so bad. I'm And I'm sitting here just ripping on Taylor Swift and I... I it looked like a slightly <laughs> better version of um, uh, what was that movie? Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh God! I didn't realize how bad that movie was <laughs> until I was around uh, some kids who were watching it, and I'm like, yeah, like it looked like the person who made this was on drugs. Like there were some really weird, like big heads that were talking, and just like, yeah, it was weird. But but uh, I digress. I digress. Um, so yeah, it came out this week that Taylor Swift. Um, was a writer, a secret writer on the uh, hit song "This Is What You Came For" um, that Rihanna recorded, and it was it was also outed that um, she sang on it as well. Where she sang on it, I don't know. Um, I've listened to the song many times, very closely, and I just I can't hear the lyric, I can't hear the vocals, I can't hear the harmonies. All I hear is Rihanna. Calvin Harris swears that. Um, he and it's funny because he said he basically did all the hard work. He wrote the music and recorded the track and cut up the audio and she just wrote the lyrics. And when I heard that that you know she wrote the lyrics, all I could really think of is, okay, like am I supposed to be impressed? Like these aren't amazing lyrics. They're very repetitive. It's a catchy. It's a catchy melody. Now if she wrote the melody, I'll give her a little bit of credit there. But I don't. I don't think she wrote the melody. I think Calvin Harris wrote the melody because Calvin Harris is. The brains. I mean, come on. If you look at Calvin Harris's, you know, um, record of success with hit singles, gonna kind of put that over Taylor Swift, even though she's been around longer. Um, but yeah, that was the thing coming out, and now everyone's like, "Oh no, like that's that's crazy that she wrote the lyrics." And I don't, I don't know. Like it's just, I didn't feel like I should have been impressed. And if I were Calvin Harris, I probably wouldn't have said anything about it. Why give her more publicity? Well, the um, I'm trying to find a story about it. Uh, just trying to trying to understand yeah. what it's about. She went by the pseudonym Niles Soberg. That was the name that she she didn't want anyone to know that she was on it at all. Um, and now I've read. I haven't dived into this. I haven't haven't dove into this. But um, apparently, she's owed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in royalties. So I'm guessing maybe when she went under that fake name, he was like, I don't have to give you that fake money. I don't know. Well, it says that, um, 
The song, This Is What You Came For, featuring Yana, has generated about $511,000 in publishing income. That's uh, based on Billboard's estimates and based on sales of nearly 743,000 streaming plays of 108 million Good Lord. and radio spins of 129,000 and Harrison Swift each have a 50% share in the track and both songwriters likely own their own publishing interests mm-hmm. and each uses Sony ATV to administer their catalogs. Of that, radio has produced the most income, but um, what what do you? I guess what what do you think of it as far as is it Taylor Swift's team trying to make Calvin Harris look bad? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, every breakup she's ever had, she's played the victim, and at this point, it's kind of like you know, maybe it's you. <laughs> I mean, I could see if this was like maybe the first time, but like, you know, like she's always getting broken up with. She's always crying, you know, oh, John Mayer broke my heart. Oh, oh, um, I mean, I think at one point she was linked to Zane from, um, from one direction, from one direction. Like she's just like, at this point, it's just like, I don't just, just get up there and sing and play your guitar. Well, you don't do that anymore. Just get up there and sing and kind of dance around and who cares? I mean, like, honestly, I mean, what what's what's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to you? Well, she's trying to. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Uh, she feels like she. I know in other instances she just feels like she's getting robbed or something. Like she yeah. took all her stuff off of Spotify because Spotify still... isn't paying enough, and now she's trying to get more money from, from YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Um. But. Like it's. I, mean, I, I don't feel like is... it, you don't you don't make I mean you can make you can make some but mm-hmm. you don't make like like YouTube and other streaming services aren't going to be the majority of your income. I I feel like this is kind of like guarding the empire. Like you don't get to you don't get to Beyonce levels, you don't get to Taylor Swift levels, you don't get to you know insert huge pop star name here levels, especially in this day and age without quote unquote guarding the empire. Um meaning um, enforce even the smallest laws or the smallest, you know, signs of disrespect or signs of being slighted um, to get to where you're trying to get. I mean, like, the only other person I can think of right now in pop music whose image has been cultivated more than Taylor Swift's is Beyonce's and vice versa. Like, they're every step of the way, especially when you just go back and look at it, every step of the way, their images were like just really like handled with like white gloves you know with Beyonce and her father like her father made them run laps you know when they were when they were coming up they trained um nothing short of like you know Joe Jackson you know training the Jackson 5 I mean they're either running laps or doing exercises rehearsing 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 and then of course Matthew knows pushing Beyonce to the front making sure she's the focal point same thing with Taylor Swift her father bought a huge share in her record company, Big Machine Records, which is part of how she got famous. Because if you go around, there's various online forums I've been on where, like, you'll see posts by people who went to high school with her. They didn't think she was that good. (laughs) (laughs) But they were like, that's Taylor Swift. She's going to be famous, or she's famous, and she's going to do this. So it's like, you know, that image was cultivated from, like, you know, this small-town girl from Pennsylvania that sings country music, um, kind of shedding that image, and then now being this pop 
princess, so to speak, the likes of which we haven't seen since like a Britney Spears, really. Only Taylor Swift's not crazy, and she is handling her image very well. She's not from the backwoods movie. She's not crazy yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, I feel like there's a it's a certain type of crazy from you know can't Louisiana. You know that's a certain type of crazy. <laughs> so I mean, I just I don't think we're gonna see Taylor Swift in a few years shaving her head and walking her baby at Walmart. At least I don't think. I guess I'll knock on wood there. Um, <laughs> so, but it's just like, you know, that image has been crafted. And so, like, at this point, like, is this just a way for her to get back at Calvin Harris? Maybe. Because she hasn't been able to make him look bad. Well, let's look at um, some math here real quick. Get out your calculators, kids. <laughs> um, so, uh, in trying to estimate how much she may be getting from this, or how much Harris maybe gave from this, uh, how they're going to split it or however. Um, after the, um, the publishing rights companies, uh, looks like, oh, excuse me, performance rights organizations. Mm. Oh, I thought I had sneeze coming. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so after performance rights organizations, ASCAP or BMI and BMI in this case, judicially take 13%. For their trouble, mm-hmm. <laughs> the trouble, um, which needs to be subtracted before splitting the remainder of the money up between Harris and Swift, the songwriters in this case. So with Harris, he is signed to the UK's PRS and ASCAP in the US, while Swift is a member of BMI. So after they take after the organizations take their cut, the songwriters have about four hundred fifty thousand to split. As the owners of their publishing. Each probably gets at least eighty-five percent of that, which is one hundred and ninety-three thousand, with Sony getting thirty-four thousand from each songwriter's share. Um, so Harris, it says, will make more money than Swift on the recording of the song because he is also the artist. Mm-hmm. Between sales and streams, the label will take in about one point two million. And if Harris has a record contract that pays 22 cents on the dollar, which is on the high end. Yeah, that is. Then his take before recoupables. That's what that's the word they used here. And that's from the, <laughs> and I guess I'll explain that real quick with record companies. Recoupables is everything that they put into you to um, to market the song, to promote you yourself. So, I mean, almost like an advance, but not quite. But they're going to get theirs before you get yours. Right. And basically it says like money the label has fronted from marketing mm-hmm. and production will be about two hundred seventy two thousand dollars. That's what he will make. He w- that's what he would make off of the record contract yeah. terms. And Harris produced the song, mm. which means he will get four points out of the twenty two percent artist royalty, which would leave eighteen percent to be split between him and Rihanna. Ah uh, yes. So Harris's take as the artist and the producer before recoupables would be about one hundred sixty-one thousand dollars, and Rihanna about one hundred eleven thousand. When all that is said and done, Swift would get one hundred ninety-three thousand for co-writing the song, but Harris, as the co-writer, artist, and producer, would get about three hundred fifty-four thousand. And I think that's fair. That's pretty good for one song, guys. Yeah. He did I understand, the most work I understand too. if you guys want to be singers and and rappers, get in, get to writing. Yeah, write and produce, and yeah, get to writing. 
No one know no one and it's it's funny because I feel like a lot of these producers, the um the EDM DJs, um, they just wanted the name along with the money. Because I mean like there's a lot of producers out there whose names you don't know. Like for every Timbaland there's a, a there's a there's a ton of I, I can't think of, you know, insert no name producer here, like there's a lot of Clark Kent's in the Justice League. <laughs> Who have there's, to put their Scott Storches? Yeah, who have to put their names J J J R? Like have to put their oh, names. Oh, that, that have their tags. Oh, yeah. who, who's that? Like uh, DJ Mustard. Yeah, Mike. Mike Will, Will made it. Mm-hmm. So like, you like they they want their names out there too. In addition to getting the money, some of them are better at it than others. Those of like you know Calvin Harris's and your Zeds. David Guetta. David Guetta. Where's he been? In? I haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, I thought he would have made it like five albums right now he's in between records he's <laughs> he's working i know he just did some soccer tournament oh he did okay. but he was he like he he played at the soccer tournament but guys he's a dj so and he doesn't sing anything so it's just him with a turntable and so laptop. <laughs> they don't have to. someone made up someone made a made fun of this video he was he was performing like before the the game started and he's like now watch me press this button <laughs> oh god <laughs> and it's it's crazy like i used to have I, i'm not gonna lie like the my feeling my feelings on djs have gone 180 180 degrees like i used to really have no respect for digital artists because i mean what, what do you have to do like you press a button and the sound comes out but i've, I've i mean i've and this is going to sound like a slight. I respect them for their multitasking skills. Because, I mean, it's not easy to do that. I mean, it's not like they're just up there just pressing a button and everything happens. I mean, there's some that, you know, spin. There's some that um, I've seen some that will actually play certain instruments. Like they'll have like a MIDI keyboard and they'll play some instruments live and things. like that. So I've gotten a little bit more respect for them. But, you know, not the respect of, that I have like for someone like a Stevie Wonder or a Prince or even a Kid Rock who, you know, I've seen play everything. So. Yeah, it's come around, but not bad for one song at all. Um, one song with simple lyrics, with, uh, you know, nothing. I mean, like, it's a well-produced song, but, you know, this ain't Hey He's Jude. He's had better. Yeah, this Calvin ain't, Harris has had better songs. Yeah, this ain't Hey Jude. This ain't, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Piano Man. This ain't, hell, this ain't even I Believe I Can Fly. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a dance track, and it's catchy. It's catchy as hell, so kudos let me check real quick where it is on the charts currently i think it's number one it is not number one it's not what's number one right now right now it's still drake one dance okay one dance dun, dun. um it's number four okay so it's climbing it was okay. la- number five last week so yeah. yeah um anything else you'd like to add about this calvin harris taylor swift it, it is she in the right to come after the money did, did she really write it like I mean, I is don't it, think he'd lie about it. He had, he'd have no reason to lie about it. Um, yeah. I mean, the lyrics aren't that impressive. If I could give her less than 50, I would. But that's just the hater in me. But, um, I mean, I guess technically from a from a, from a a morality standpoint, yeah, I mean, it's she contributed. The song wouldn't have been recorded without the lyrics. So, I mean, technically she isn't, she's entitled to half of it. But it does scream of a money grab with an artist who as of late has had a lot of those and really doesn't need them. I mean, you fought Spotify, you fought, you're fighting YouTube. Um, you, you kind of fought Apple music. I mean, like you're 
Like for somebody who's worth as much money, I think she made 170 million last year. Like she real petty. Yeah. Like she real like petty. Michael Jordan level petty. Like don't borrow money from Taylor Swift. She might come after you. <laughs> she might come after you for that 50. <laughs> 50 cents. 50 cents. Like I you bought you that soda. Third grade. Yeah. Like she might, she seemed real petty for someone. But like I said, she's guarding the empire. I mean, the only other thing I'd add really is, um, um, Calvin Harris and, and Rihanna make gold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, they only done two songs together. Yeah, and they both were, <laughs> and they're yeah. smash worldwide hits. So. so I can only imagine he's. I mean, like you can't, you know, milk it too hard, but like he needs to work with her again. Like, yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like you, it 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 works if you mm-hmm. listen to "We Found Love" and then this one. I mean, they're they're very simple, mm-hmm. um, but they work. And um, Rihanna is the kind of artist that. Um, I think any any of these like DJ producer yeah. artists want to work with you. You want that kind of um, tone or texture of uh, that of that her vocals have, mm-hmm. and um, you can make something out of it. And it's so funny, if I may add, how cool, how easily she can slide out of pop music straight into hip hop. Yeah, because if you look on Spotify, like her other biggest song. Bitch, but I have my money, <laughs> which is could not be further from this is what you came for. And I was jamming to it last night because I was like, oh, I forgot about this track. Like, it's a re- it's a hot song. And it's just like she can go and she can get on famous with Kanye West. And then she can just be like, yeah, I'm going to do this David Guetta track. Or I'm going to do this Calvin Harris track. Or I'm going to do Sledgehammer. She just released another single. Yeah. So yeah, it's like she can. And I feel like um, and this is a central theme here. My criticism of Beyonce I think that's one thing she has over Beyonce is how easily she can go from genre to genre like even though like Beyonce might be on the pop charts they're not pop songs they still have a hip-hop edge to them Um, whereas like Rihanna can do a straight-up pop song and like just own it and it's just like it's so easy for her and then she's got the international appeal too so it's like why wouldn't you want to work with her yeah all right it's awesome um so, um, we did talk about Michael made it. Well, we made a reference to him at, le- at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> His um, name, it always makes me laugh too, because it's like, I always like, some of us like told me like, oh, that's so you know who made it. And I always took it as Mike will made it as in like Mike will made it out the hood. Like, so every time it's like, Mike, will made it, dog. Like, I made it out. And then someone was like, oh, that's so you know he made it. I was like, oh, yeah, Mike, who made it? Oh, Mike will made it. I was like, oh, I just always took it as like he got out. Oh, well, yeah. Like, instead of like, Mike will make it, mm-hmm. he is already, he has made it already mm-hmm. in his mind. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, he made it out. Like, he good. Yeah. Um. So what we're going to get to um is our earworms of the week. We'll, we'll go to we'll go to Ben's first. We'll right. talk a little bit, a little bit about it. Um, uh, so tell us about this song. I, I got it. I got it queued up here. Okay. So just tell us a little bit about it. So um, this is from a band that if you're from Canada, you know them. If you're from America, you might know them. They're huge in Canada. Um, they're called Mariana's Trench. 
uh, fronted by Josh Ramsey, who um, I first encountered him, and not in person, of course, but I first encountered his work when um, I heard the song uh, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. He was one of the writers and producers on it. I believe he was the main writer, if I remember correctly. And I'd heard the band before, but I never really gave them a second thought after hearing that song, which I did like. I mean, the lyrics were really cheesy and sometimes dumb. Um, I did like it. it had a great tune. And so I decided to kind of, you know, check the band out again. And um, like every song he's done is, has been great. I almost would kind of compare him to um, like an American comparison would be maybe a mix between a Dave Grohl and a um, Ryan Tedder. Ryan Tedder being the lead singer and principal songwriter, really, of, um, of, um, God, why can't, why can't I think of their name now? They did apologize. Why can't I think of their name? One Republic. One Republic. I was about to say One Direction. I'm like, I know that's not it. <laughs> One Republic. Um, and how they've kind of, like, transformed, like, their first album, you know, Dreaming Out Loud, being, um, basically, like, a, an album full of live instruments, now going into, you know, using nothing but, like, studio drums, um, electronic drums and everything a lot of times with no hi-hat because that's just how he gets down <laughs> um, and as a matter of fact on the latest Mariana Trench record they have a song like that that doesn't have hi-hat um, sounds just like a, a One Republic song um, but this big song drums. <laughs> big drums <laughs> big with drums. lots of reverb <laughs> um, but the song that I chose for my Airworm song um, is one that I just I've been jamming to it all week at work it's called Decided to Break It it's from their first record. Um, it's 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 a really good track. The video is hilarious. They're racing some kids. Um, it's really funny, but I just love it. Like I love his guitar tone. I love the drums. I love the bass line. I love everything about this song. It's very well performed. All right, so we're gonna listen to it and we'll talk about it.
All right, that was Decide to Break It by Marianne's Trench. Um, I got some like 90s pop, like pop rock or like post punk, whatever. Yeah, pop punk. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I got some of those vibes out of it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, what, like, what, what, what made you like, you know, like listening to the song so much? I like the swing that it has to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I love, and I love that about the guitar part. Like, I love, like this. It has a swing, and I guess that's more of a, of like a bit of a jazz influence. Like the swing, and then you hear the bass line. That's almost kind of a walking bass line at certain points. I love, I love the way the drums hit. Just the, I don't know. Like it's everything about it. It's a very energetic song. Doesn't really have a traditional chorus, which I know kind of goes against everything that pop music is. Um, but I like that about it. Like it's, it still manages to be catchy, not necessarily in melody, but in music, the music is catchy mm-hmm. itself. Like it's do, 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 do kind of like a, like a really nice catch to it. And I like that about that. All right. Um, I had to look at some pictures of this band and the lead <laughs> singer is pale is not a strong enough word. Yeah. Does he have purple <laughs> hair in this one? Cause he dyes his hair a lot of colors. Well, this one it's, it's blue. Oh um, goodness! It's, yeah, it's like kind of blue in the in the it's blue highlights. And he's definitely he definitely has the emo. <laughs> yeah, with um, the emo swoop. Yeah, over his <laughs> over his face. Um, uh, yeah, he's very animated when they perform. The last time I the last video that I saw of them playing, he's not even. I guess they got like a touring guitar player now because he doesn't even play guitar anymore. Mm. He's just up there prancing around on stage having fun. <laughs> and it's interesting to see. And it's sad because I don't think I don't know if they come to America, so I don't know if I'll ever get to see them. Um, I know they tour heavily up in Canada. Like I didn't realize how big they were until I went on YouTube, checked out some of the videos and like they were warmly received wherever they went. So they're big up there. Don't know how big they are, you know, down here. If, you know, by chance he ever happens to hear this, come to Atlanta, man. Like I'll come see you. Even if you come to like the masquerade, I'll Mm. come. Well, the masquerade's gone now. Yeah. Take that back. Um, They'll probably be at like, Variety, maybe, or even well, probably um, tabernacle. tabernacle. Yeah, I was going to say tabernacle. probably the Tabernacle. Or if you can't get into Atlanta and you go to Athens, I'll come to Athens and see you. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know if I can uh, fit the bill to go up to Toronto or to Montreal or uh, in, in a, another Canadian city where they might be playing. What's interesting is that this isn't even, by the looks of it, um, this oh, this is from their first album. Mm-hmm. This is their first album. Very different tone um, than what they're doing now. Like now they're doing, um, like he's like I, I see that like sometimes they're defined as symphonic rock, and I can believe it because on Astoria, you'll have a track leading into another track that's just a string orchestral arrangement, and like you'll hear like you know violins, cellos, contrabass. I, I heard French horn. And one of them, either French horn or mellophone, I couldn't tell, but I was just like, and he's composing these things. And he was like, that's very interesting. He's really kind of gone from like, all right, I write, I write pop punk rock music to I write pop rock music to I'm just writing pop music. And it's just like, it sound they sound nothing like, you know, what they used to sound like. And I always wonder like, how do band members fit in there? Like, like as a drummer, I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to lay down tracks. He's like, actually... We got this box <laughs> and it's going to play everything and you just figure out how to do it live. 
Like, I feel like that's how the drummer from Maroon 5 has to feel, because it's just like, I ain't heard a live drum on their albums in, like, <laughs> in years. And I'm just like, that's got to be insulting. At this point, the band is like, it's, it's Adam Levine, a guitar it's, player, I feel like, no, it player. might just be Adam Levine by himself. They're just laying down, like, they're just like, we'll program the bass. Just like how you <laughs> said that, like, if Dave Grohl, like, does all the Foo Fighters parts. Yeah. This is... This is what Adam Levine does on a probably a much smaller scale. Yeah. But as far as like, he'll put down his vocals, but he doesn't do any of the. Yeah. He doesn't play any of the instruments no. anymore, and neither does the rest of the band. They just come <laughs> in. All right, we're gonna be on Fallon tonight. <laughs> Learn your parts. Sharp <laughs> um, like this is a little hard. Well, I mean, I can always find someone else. He's like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll find a way. He was trying. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, and I don't know if that's what he's doing, but man, like that would have to be, you know, if I'm in that band, that'd have to be, that'd have to be rough. Like you'd have to really kind of check your ego and just be like, all right, well, I'm drummer in performance only. Like I don't record and me being the lazy musician I am, I would love that. But like, I mean, like if you're like, you know, a serious musician, like you'd like to go in and record, like that's a slap in the face. You're just like, Like if, if you, if you get into the band and then like, on the album cover, the band isn't on it. It's just some other oh, kind yeah. of artwork. <laughs> You're replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> like on one on one album, like uh, it won't be soon before long, but we're still talking about Maroon 5. But mm-hmm. on that album, they were all on the cover. Yeah. But on the, uh, on the next one, there was nobody on the cover. Uh, so they probably, they probably thought they were safe. Makes you wonder. <laughs> and it's even funnier too because I see them I saw some live performance where they were on I forget what show they were on and they actually like played older Maroon 5 and it was weird because I was like oh y'all still do that like they played harder <laughs> to breathe and it was just like oh this this has instruments like people had to lay these tracks down and it's just like it was so different like they it didn't even it didn't sound the same because I know they changed drummers since then but it just didn't sound the same it's kind of like like if you, um, I wonder, I've never seen the Black Eyed Peas in concert, but do they do any songs from before Fergie? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when they play small clubs in Canada. <laughs> but I, it's just, I mean, like, because at that point, like, what, does Fergie go take a bathroom break? It's like... <laughs> um, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up about Decided to Break It. Mm-hmm. It was featured, uh, well, see, they are from Canada, so... You know where it was featured, right? Hold on, what? Was yeah. it in Degrassi? Yes. Oh my God, really? Oh, yes. snap. It was featured in an episode of Degrassi. Um, so you know they're big then. I mean, <laughs> if it's in Degrassi. Well, they're, they're very important to Canada, at least. Yeah. At the very least. That's their 90210. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, so, um, let's get into one of our, what our, um, another one of our topics we're going to get into tonight. Um, in light of the, in light of the, um, events of the past week, 10 days, um, yeah, a lot of social unrest, uh, including today, there was you know, a shooting sides, in Baton man. Rouge. Yeah. Um, you know, and people are trying to, I feel like in these kind of events, some people always try to find someone to blame. Mm-hmm. Like it's someone's fault. Um, congressmen and former congressmen are actually stepping out there and blaming the president. Um, citizens are blaming the president. Uh, 
regardless of the race of the president, how do you skip your own mayor and governor <laughs> and your senators, your reps, police chiefs, your, your police chiefs, you know, um, your your city government? Mm-hmm. How do you skip all of them and go right to the president? It's like that. I think that just shows that, you know, well, I understand it if you're angry, yeah. if you're if you're frustrated, but. Um, I think you got to start, start a little lower. I mean, cause the president, I mean, he doesn't, <laughs> he's not coming to, what could he have done? Exactly. Okay. But I don't know what the president could have done, but maybe the city government can take a look at themselves wherever it is. Yeah. Baton Rouge, Dallas, um, Atlanta, Atlanta, Minnesota, mm-hmm. wherever. Start with your own city. You know, you hear like with the Black Lives Matter movement, some people who are um, not they're not critics of it, but they're saying, OK, yeah, you you are a get you feel these are injustices. Cool. But we need to take a look at ourselves and figure out what we can do mm-hmm. to make this better. So. These cities with their when there are problems with the cities, with the relationship between the police and the black community or whatever other community start with your city. What can we do with our city to make it better? Mm-hmm. And then maybe others can find an example. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can use what you've done as a positive example? Mm-hmm. So um, that's just one thing I saw that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, like no, that how do you blame the president for the cops in this town getting shot when there are other cops in other towns not being shot and there are probably better relationships between the cops and the community that they work with. And what's even crazier is the police in Dallas had a reputation for being a good department. Uh, like, I feel like, like in Texas, they, they, they might have the best because I feel like everybody in Texas has a gun. <laughs> it's true. Everybody got a gun in Texas. <laughs> so you gotta be on your police, cues, man. the police got like, okay, we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. happen. All right. <laughs> We don't so know how big we, it is. We gotta <laughs> we gotta have different approaches to, to stuff. Um but uh in doing this podcast and kind of the kind of the, the format that we're we're kinda of going for, um we gotta consider like I just think about how music uh what kind of messages, you know, you find some kind of message in music. You know, it doesn't matter what you're what you're listening to, there's always a story. Right. There's there's always a a reason why any song is written, no matter how good or bad it is or how it affects you or doesn't affect you. Um, But uh, with I just thought about like all the songs like that you hear of, like during the I went back as far as, you know, the the start thinking of the civil rights movement. But there were songs that even go back before that, like I, I did a little research. And by research, that means I went to Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But just looking up like protest songs uh, in the United States. um, Go back as far as the Revolutionary War, you know, in the 18th century. And um, and then going forward in the 19th century, there are songs about uh, abolishing slavery or the the Civil War. And then the 20th century about uh, women's rights, civil rights economic injustice, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
you know, so music has always, there's always been some form of protest uh, in, in music. You're going to, it's someone has written a protest song in, you know, every century, any century you can think of. And then, you know, looking at the United States, um, music has always, there's always been some form of music that can reflect the times, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, um, I just wanted to ask you, Ben, when you think of protest songs, like what, what kind of songs come to mind or what kind of messages do you think of and what kind of effect do, do they have on you or that you've seen how people are affected by any kind of, any kind of social music as I've heard Miles Davis as being played by Don Cheadle, (laughs) but you know, as he called it social music. In my opinion, music is, is personal and it's about whatever, you're going through at the time, whatever you're observing. So, um, like, you know, the first one really that always comes to mind for me only because, um, and I guess I should tell this story and it's not really a long story, but just when I was in high school, 10th grade, uh, we were studying us history. I had a teacher named, uh, Mr. Porter, uh, Brett Porter, if you're out there, hello. Um, and we spent one day just listening to protest songs. And it was the first time I'd heard a lot of these songs before. Um, the first one I believe that we listened to was uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Really good song about um, what was going on over there in Ireland. Um, we listened to Fortunate Son by CC, by Credence Clearwater Revival. Uh, we listened to Ohio, which I had I wasn't really familiar with Neil Young at the time, um, which, you know, was about the Kent State shootings. Um, I believe we listened to What's Going On, which wasn't necessarily a protest song per se. It was more of a social um, social commentary, but um, it made me, oh, and we also listen to Born in the USA, which some people don't realize is a protest song, but it is, um, uh, read the lyrics. You'll be surprised. Um, and songs like that kind of made me more than anything. They just make you think. And I guess, you know, coming from where I'm coming from, it makes me really want to kind of, first off, you know, I want to get into the head of the writer. Like, what were they thinking when they wrote this? How did this affect them? And then, too, what was going on at the time? Because things were, you know, things were different. I mean, um, America, for the most part right now, um, in spite of what's going on, it's we're much better off than we were in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, after the economic boom of the 90s, yeah, there was a recession. But for the most part, I mean, like, you know, we're not impoverished. And so, like, things were things were heavy back then, like, you know. The military, last I checked, is an opening fire on, you know, kids protesting in colleges. Or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's revolution in other countries, um, but there's not revolution here. And so what I would really like to hear is, you know, what's going like, are there are there people protesting? Because I mean, like, yeah, people are people are upset about us invading. You know, they're upset about us invading Afghanistan and then eventually Iraq. Um, not a lot of protest music or at least a lot of popular protest music although you know pop music in a different place than it was back then but i'm curious as to and not really to take it in a different direction but like what's coming out of these other countries i mean like there, a military coup just occurred in in turkey yeah over the weekend i wonder like you know i don't know much about turkey but i wonder if there was a lot of civil unrest there and was there you know people making songs and i mean like maybe that's something i'll look into but like i guess to give uh, a long answer to your question it just makes me curious 
because I always want to know, all right, what was going on? What was, what was the, what was the climate like? Because I mean, like songs, music, you know, especially older music is like a window into the past. Um, especially when it's social commentary music like that, that is a sign of the times type song or whatever. You look at it and it's, it's a window into the past. Like this was going on at the time. What was going on? Um, and that's kind of how it makes me feel. I think with um, when someone hears protest songs, I mean, you, people aren't going to go back in history too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just you can start with the 60s and start with the 1960s and going from there, you'll definitely gain an, an, an understanding and you'll definitely get a. I mean, I I think like some musicians, their music can be part of history mm-hmm. curriculum, like in, in schools and, yeah. you know, universities and all that. Um, I feel like there are, like, I know in some, I'm not sure exactly what school it is, but there's a class on like Tupac lyrics. Nice. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's a, there's probably a class somewhere on Bob Dylan yeah. lyrics uh, and his songs. Uh, a lot of his were, and a lot of like Bob Dylan, uh, songs, um, even though it's actually over a sh- only a short period of time mm-hmm. that he had songs like it, but um, songs like "Blowing in the Wind" or yeah. "The Times They Are Changing," mm-hmm. you know, he he provides commentary. Song. Yeah, uh, or if he's even more more explicitly topical, like with the hurricane about Ruben yeah. Carter. So, um, you can start there, but it actually goes back even further than that. But I think even no matter where you start, um, what the, the, the thing you're going to, you should learn or notice is that these songs are going to reflect what's going on at the time. Mm -hmm. And there is, and you know, you should be curious about what were those, what were those times? Like, what do you, what do you think led up to, um, how this artist wanted to express um, their thoughts, feelings, or just provide commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so uh, just thinking about it, what I do to, you know, my outlet is making a playlist on Spotify, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I think one thing that is what one song that stuck out to me and you may not call it a protest song per se, but it is a song where it does reflect. It does reflect the times. Um, it is all right by Kendrick Lamar. Um, you know, aside from it being probably one of the more uniquely produced songs, um, I've ever heard really, <laughs> Um, just how the, the, the vocal, like vocals being the melody part of it, the main mm-hmm. melody part of it, the saxophone, um, <laughs> uh, being in it, uh, it's just really, um, I really, I really enjoy it. It's like, I, like, I, I haven't even listened to his old, his whole album yet, <laughs> really, but you know, that's one of the songs that really stick out to me. Yeah. Um, you know, um. I sometimes yeah. don't think people realize, um, and you know, maybe this is, 
it will be kind of something that we learn in time. I don't think people realize how important and insightful Kendrick Lamar is. I don't think people realize that just yet. And by listening to him, you, you, I mean, it's something you should realize right away. Yeah. But I think because of, um, I just think sometimes how, um, I was working on a, it's another podcast radio show, but there was a reference to, to how, uh, how rap music is perceived mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Um, and I didn't, I didn't make the point, but I feel like with, with a lot of rap music, okay. They may be talking about, or what kind of stuff they have or what kind of women or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some of that in, in any rap song you hear, there's mm-hmm. something to that effect. But I think for the most part, rappers are storytellers. Mm-hmm. They may not be doing the stuff they say in their music, but they're providing a perspective of someone who is, it may not necessarily be them, but they at least know someone who, who is that way. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're telling a story. They're providing a narrative. Um, but you know, if the past 10 days or so have told you anything should tell you that, People can interpret stuff however they want. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to think, "Oh, that's them doing it." Uh, like he, uh, he was talking about slapping this hoe, or you know, <laughs> I sound like so old, but <laughs> uh, you know, they may have said that in their song, so that's what they must really be doing. And I don't think that's always the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is, yeah, but I don't think that's always the case. But um, with I guess with the someone like a Kendrick Lamar or J. Cole, um, you know, they're they're going to tell a story. Yeah. But also, Future is telling a story. It's a different story, mm-hmm. but it's still a story. And it took me a while <laughs> to actually really get that. But everything that you're saying is is exactly right, especially when it relates to someone like Future, because I'm not a fan of Future, but I get it. I get him. Um, mm-hmm he comes from a different world. Like he's, he's not just rapping about, you know, lean and doing all these drugs. Like he's rapping about some like really dark times in his life where that's what got him through or like dark, like he's, he's just rapping about what he sees. Um, some of it he's done, which I know he said, you know, in the lawsuit that he never did it because <laughs> he's trying to get custody. But like, like when, if you listen to like, you can tell, like if you listen to the lyrics, you can tell they're personal. Yeah, and a lot. That's how it is with a lot of rappers. Like, other than maybe like you know, uh, what D4L. I mean, I don't think Laffy Taffy was personal, but like, you know, like, <laughs> well, so- it may have been. <laughs> it was inspired by some girl that they saw that was shaking her Laffy Taffy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you, you listen to, you listen to some of Future's lyrics, and they're 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 pretty personal. Like, especially when I listen to um, where you at. Like he was like, it's a nice beat. It's a catchy song, but I got the feeling he was rapping if you, about. If you pay attention to it, you mm-hmm. know, um, it's ultimately about like, okay, I was at this point mm-hmm. and then you left me, whoever his friends were or for his family or anybody like that. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through all this stuff 
And now that things are getting better for me or I'm at this point and now you're coming back, mm-hmm. you know, like. And it's like he wasn't even. even it, was a, it was a question of friendship. <laughs> he wasn't even talking about when he got rich. He was like he was describing all the times like when I was selling drugs, when I was, you know, when I was doing this, when I was doing that. Where were you? And like now you want to be around. No, where were you when I was like really trying to hustle? You know, not this music game, but like just trying to hustle just to survive. Where were you? Oh, now I see you. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> see, guys, just like we're talking about, like now there there could be classes on Tupac lyrics and Bob Dylan lyrics. One day, there's going to be a class on future lyrics. <laughs> you may be able to barely understand what he says because of all the auto tune. <laughs> so much auto tune. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to make sense one day. Um, so, um, you know, and with the, back to um, Kenny Lamar and the song All Right, I mean, just uh, the song is associated with Black Lives Matter. It was one of the first, like I said, it was one of the first songs I thought of that would be connected to today. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any song like that to you that even, you know, whether it was made a while ago or if it's if it's more recent mm-hmm. that connects to the times of today, whether it's Black Lives Matter or just with um uh, with any current events, really. Hmm. I'd have to think about that. Give me, let me come back to you on that one. All right. Well, while Ben thinks about it, I'm just going to play the song. Cause I, I really, I really enjoy it. And I really like, I like how it's made, how it's put together and then the overall message of it. So I'm just going to play the song. Oh, it's my life. I has to fight. Nigga. Oh, it's my life. I, Hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah, Nazareth. I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright. And when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. Bahamas, I be looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11, even boom with the face down. Skimming, and let me tell you about my life. Painkillers only put me in a twilight. With pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight. Now tell my mama I love her, but this what I like. Lord knows, 20 of them in my Chevy. Tell them all to come and get me, reaping everything I sow. So my karma come in heaven, no preliminary hearings on my record. I'm a motherfucking gangster in silence for the record. Uh. Tell the world I know it's too late. Boys and girls, I think I'm going great. Inside my face, it's all day Won't you please believe when I say When you know we've been hurt, been down before Nigga, when our pride was low Looking at the world like, where do we go? Nigga, and we hate poor poor Wanna kill us dead in the street for sure Nigga, I'm at the preacher's door My knees getting weak and my gun might blow But we gon' be alright <laughs> lowering of the volume but that's um Kendrick Lamar all right off a of pimp to pimp a butterfly um yeah 
that, that, that's my favorite song off that album. I mean, it, yeah, it was a single and it had a video and all that, but the you know reading about it, trying to interpret the lyrics and everything. Um, I go to genius.com. Yeah, I love genius.com. <laughs> um, you know, and it. Um, uh, it details how you know how he's tried to. It says it. It says all right. Responds by detailing how Kendrick means to escape his troubles by trusting in God, able to look past his failures, and have confidence that everything will be okay. Hence the chorus. We gonna be all right. <laughs> um, and it's connected. The you know the chorus has been connected to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know people have gone to different places where there are different rallies or or anything like that where. Um, it's become a, that the chorus has become a chant really for protesters. Um, and, uh, Soundwave, one of the producers, he stated, I didn't expect all right to be the protest song, but I did know it was going to do something because the time we're living in made it the perfect song. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a great reflection of, of the times and even though this song came out the album came out a year ago yeah. this song came out last July yeah. you know it's still it's still relevant today um, you know it talks about police brutality and 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 trying to trust in God and, and believe that um, things are going to be better mm-hmm. and I mean despite what um despite what happens, despite what has happened, you know, and that's why you see like at the BET awards last year, Kendrick Lamar performed this song and it was, he was on top of a police car with the American flag waving in the background. Mm -hmm. People were upset about that. You know, Geraldo Rivera says, this is why I say that hip hop has done more damage to young African Americans than racism in recent years. This is exactly the wrong message. Well, what would have been the right one? Mm. You know, I mean, Every when there are protests, so they're going to be like yeah. opponents of it. There are going to be opponents that is expected, but well, I mean, the the best art makes you uncomfortable anyway. I mean, if you're going to be yeah. frank, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to it's going it may make you it's going to make you uncomfortable. It may make you uncomfortable. It may make you think. Mm-hmm. It may make you feel something. Um, it will start a conversation. Exactly. You know, that's how that's you know I know this is we're talking about music, but that's how I was always felt about Spike Lee films. Mm-hmm do the right thing. One of the most debated parts of that movie is why did Buki throw the trash can through the window? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then come back the next day wanting his money. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, trying to decipher that, but the point of Spike Lee movies was not to per- necessarily provide a solution, but to start a conversation to get people talking, maybe that will lead to yeah. a solution, but at least get people talking, starting, starting a dial. I've been hearing the word dialogue yeah. more in the past 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this you know. point, that's almost what it's become. Um, it's, it's suddenly on both sides right now. Like it's no, like, <laughs> and I know that, like you said, this is a music show, but it's been ugly. Like it's, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, and like I said, like earlier, 
somebody's always trying to find something to blame. To blame. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, if cops are getting shot, you're blaming the president, you're blaming Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> but you're not going any farther than that. Yeah. You know, you're just doing that because those are the those are the names you know and it makes you comfortable or or, or it brings you some kind of solace, some yeah. kind of twisted solace. But it it's it's more than that. Like, you know, conversations about racism and racism in itself goes much deeper than what you see right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes farther back than the civil rights movement. Um, you know, it goes past Martin Luther King, Kasim Reed. It goes farther <laughs> than that. I'm trying to say that Martin Luther King wouldn't have blocked the highway. Yet there are so many pictures of Martin Luther King <laughs> and and company uh, crossing bridges, mm-hmm. taking up all the roads, sitting blocking in all the traffic. <laughs> okay. And for those who aren't aware, Kasim Reed is the mayor of Atlanta, where yeah. we're located. So, um, it's much deeper than what you see right now. Like racism didn't start now. And it's going to be a long time before it actually ends, if it ever does. But there needs to be a dialogue. So there can at least be, I want, I, I, I really want there to be some kind of understanding because after all this time, people still misinterpret what Black Lives Matter is. Um, and what... And just acknowledging that there is some kind of problem with how the police interact with black people. There is a problem. Um, and then, but people just want to look at it the wrong way. <clears throat> like um, another radio show podcast I, I worked on is um, uh, have you seen the, the Tommy or Tommy Lauren clip about after Jesse Williams made his speech at the BET awards. Did you see the, that speech? Mm-mm. I don't, I'm, I'm not much of a TV watcher. I'll be honest. I've read the quote though. Okay. Well, basically with his speech, you know, it was a criticism of, um, it was a criticism of the police. Basically saying like, you know, there he's, uh, one of one part of it is like, we have data that, police officers are able to de-escalate and de-arm and arrest white people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, a 12 year old kid playing in the park with a toy gun, he gets shot on site. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically saying that, uh, and th- but then he also criticized uh, black people as far as, being connected to brands and, and getting money and you know, you need to be more than that. Yeah. Agreed. So his criticism, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it cut both ways. Yeah. And, but with someone like Tommy Lauren, I don't, I don't know anything about her. She's just some skinny blonde lady. Um, but she interpreted as he wants her to feel guilty for being white. And how um, her her ancestors fought for his ancestors in the Civil War, um, which is inaccurate. 
and how basically she was saying like you're black and you're famous and you have money so you need to shut up okay i'm looking her up now um so just just having that completely off base oh she's on cnn well there you go uh, <laughs> I, I would have figured her for Fox. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought at first too. But just to have that completely off base, just being completely off base as far as listening yeah. to what he's talking about. Um, I, she is representative to me of how people misinterpret what something like black lives matter is mm-hmm. or, you know, like the like the shooting in Dallas, the guy did not care. The shooter did not care for cops or Black Lives Matter. No, he did not. So it could have been anybody. He wasn't connected at all. As a matter of fact, he'd been labeled by many groups in that area as unstable. Like he is, he had nothing to do with that. So why can't he be the lone gunman? But he, but since he's black, he's and all black people think the same, right? So <laughs> uh, all since all black people think the same. And he had a gun and shot cops. Most of the people who who were injured or or died were cops. Then he is anti-cop and Black Lives Matter is anti-cop. But Black Lives Matter isn't anti-cop. And then, you know, just people just keep rolling from there. Um, And that stems from and what you really got. And that that stems from ignorance. That stems from people who don't want to who rather listen to a hot take on a news program rather than yeah, actually they're, they're being skip Bayless on a very dangerous level. Yeah. Like they don't <laughs> want to actually go and do research and, and read. And I mean, and I'm not even going to lie at one point I fell into that trap until I actually sat down and actually read. And I was like, Oh, this is what they're saying. So, I mean, it's not like they're saying that like, you know, they're not saying, Oh, we hate the police. We want police to die. Actually quite the contrary. They're just looking for a little bit of accountability and responsibility. That's all they're looking for. So, yeah, people, you know, it's just kind of understanding what it, you know, what it is. And it's not saying, I mean, no one's trying to make anyone feel guilty for being white. No one should feel guilty for being whatever they are. You you were born, you can't help it. You're born that way. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to understand that quality of life is different for some people in different places. And there's, that's just how it is. Point, point, you know. Uh, point blank period, as they say nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could consider like media narratives, what they want to create, like how they portray, how they portray this guy, uh, Mike Micah Johnson, Micah Xavier Johnson. They got to. It felt like you got if if you're if you're the if you're the gunman, they're going to put you. You got to put your whole name out there. <laughs> I, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> so they just got. They're gonna put your whole. They got to put your whole name out there, and every time they say your name, you, they got to say his full name. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people tried to spin it as if, oh, he was a radicalist Muslim, and they started referring to him as Micah X because his middle name is Xavier. But like, okay, where'd you get that from? You know, and it's just a you know that. It, and uh, there was also a story of a guy another guy named Micah Johnson, but his middle name either started like L or R. So it wasn't X. Yeah. His middle name did not begin with X, but 
some journalist posted on Twitter his picture. It's like, this is the guy. This is the shooter. Oh, no. And people are just bombarding him with text messages and calls. Reporters were coming to his house trying to ask questions. He had to be more responsible and as a journalist. It was like it was as if the guy, the reporter just Googled Micah Johnson, saw his picture first and posted it on Twitter without confirming anything. So and that's journalism nowadays. Like that's 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 that that's journalists are doing that. Yeah. Journalists are being irresponsible. So we I mean it could start with them, but it needs to start somewhere. Somebody needs to yeah. be responsible as far as what you put out there for people to see. Uh especially with social media. Yeah. Um and what you say, like there is a uh there was some nurse who posted something on Facebook about black lives matter. And she was fired because basically she was saying, um, uh, it went along the lines of that. They are, um, it was one of those people, like if someone says black lives matter and mm-hmm. someone responds immediately with all lives matter. Mm-hmm. And she did that. Yeah. It, it basically came out like it was some long paragraph too long. Didn't read, but <laughs> <laughs> That's what basically it seemed like, you know. Oh goodness. Um be responsible with uh, what you say and what you put out there. Not I'm not talking about in, like infringing on free speech or anything like mm-hmm. that cuz someone's going to someone's going to interpret if if they listen to us very seriously and and heard something like that mm-hmm. and they had that kind of mindset to where we say, be careful with what you say, or like kind of just pay attention to what you say. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're trying to, you're infringing on my free speech. I didn't say that. No, there's I'm a, saying there's be a responsible. responsibility and free speech. There's a big difference. I'm saying be responsible, yeah. be, have some awareness. Exactly. You know, stop, don't be reckless. But someone would say, well, you know, I can say what I want. Like, well, you can, but well, you just have you to be can, prepared yeah. to deal with the consequences. Exactly. And I believe um, the gentleman from Duck Dynasty learned that the hard way. Everyone was like, what about their rights? Well, no, he, he had the right to say it. No one came and shot him. The government didn't come and shut him down. That was his own <laughs> private com- That was his employer. Yeah, you can say what you want, but you must be prepared to deal with the consequences. You can do what you want, but you must be prepared to deal with the consequences. That's life. All, all the amendment, all the Constitution is saying is that the government, those people at, um, at you know, Pennsylvania Avenue and in, in Congress and in the Pentagon – they won't come and get you, but that doesn't mean that AMC won't get you. Just yeah. saying. Um, it doesn't, uh, like your job can fire you. Uh, they don't have to follow the constitution in that way at all. <laughs> Especially if it's so where it's where you are seen on TV by millions of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I just want people to be responsible and to do your research and talk to people. I think part of it's like no one wants to talk to anybody. Yeah, they just want to. Well, I think it's sometimes it's not that people don't want to talk. These can be uncomfortable conversations. I, I know, and that's I what it comes that. down to. Like, I, I don't think they. It's not that they don't want to. I think they're afraid because it can be. And I've been guilty of this as well. Because I mean, these conversations can be uncomfortable, and you don't know what your friends or your colleagues are going to think. And in some cases, you don't want to know what they're going to think. Because it might change the color of, you know, no pun intended there. It might change the, the, the way in which. Friendship. God. Wasn't that a Disney movie? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it might change the way in which you look at them. And honestly, 
like you have to just kind of be like i mean like ideas are the same the same as speech i mean like you can to for the most part say what you want to say if you're responsible but you also you're entitled to think what you want to think for the most yeah. like you can think it and i mean like if we're cool enough like if you know greg here says something i don't agree with i'm not going to just start hating him i mean i'm sure that whatever his opinions are have been shaped by his life and my opinions are shaped by my life there's there's one of our mutual friends who probably thinks i hate him i don't <laughs> i just don't want to talk to him opinions just different yeah that's just how it goes <laughs> so it's uh, just like yeah we're gonna be all there, right actually there's a couple of our mutual friends oh for real like that I'll, I'll tell you our favorite part. Uh, um, we're gonna be all right a, <laughs> we're gonna be all right yes <laughs> we're gonna be all right um but yeah so it it's a matter of not just talking to you know if someone opposes you not just talking to them but also listening mm-hmm. and having understanding it, it it's it's it has to be a two-way conversation um because i think every everybody can learn something you know not everyone is not everyone is anti-police who mm-hmm. is like I've heard Trevor Noah say this. If you're pro-black, that doesn't mean you're anti-police. And if you're pro-police, it doesn't mean you're anti-black. You exactly. can be pro-black and pro-police. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am pro-black and pro-police. Uh, but due to recent events, I am going to be like a little suspicious of the police. Yeah. Because I, you know, being black, I know you feel this way too. Like anything can happen if I you get, get nervous, pulled over. Yeah. Anything can happen. Um, yeah. And history has shown that just over the past five years, history has shown that anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Let's get on. Uh, let's get to a lighter note before we end this. Well, show. actually, I, I figured out what song um, I wanted to because you asked me if I had a song. Oh, yes. yes and it's a song yes. that I had discussed, really. Um, <clears throat> and it's kind of stereotypical because um, it's a really popular song. But I got to go with Changes. Tupac. Tupac. Um, that talks about... Um, it talks about the war on drugs, but it also talks about um, police brutality, which, I mean, where he's from is huge. <laughs> I mean, the LAPD, you could almost say, might be the poster child for police brutality. Whether or not you agree, you know, doesn't, I mean, like, there's the evidence is out there. Um, I love the song. I love the fact that it was, a, it was a tool, an avenue for social change, just as the song that it sampled was another avenue for social commentary and yeah. social change. Um, with the original um, 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 citing the civil rights movement. Yeah. Um, you know, things, I mean, like, Bruce Hornsby, that was a, like, it's it's a, it's a little catchy piano tune, but that was a heavy song. Like, it talked about poverty, just like this poverty song does. and racism. And racism, and it, talk, it talked yeah. about the voting. It talked about all that stuff. And it was like, both songs are very heavy. And I don't think that that song was chosen just off of a whim because it was catchy. Like, Tupac knew what he was doing. He's yeah. like, I'm going to make a heavy song and choose another song that is also heavy in subject matter. Song by one Mr. Bruce Hornsby. A very talented piano player, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, let's listen to a little more of it and we'll be back. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. Let's erase the wasted. Take the evil out the people, they'll be acting right. Cause both black and white and smoke 
All right, that is Changes by Tupac. Um, sampling the way it is by Bruce Hornsby and the range. Um, so I would I recommend listening to both songs. Um, there was there was some uh, this was a deliberate sample. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely deliberate sample. Um, so yeah, I wonder what he's doing. We could probably get him to come on the show. I mean, I, I can't Bruce imagine Hornsby? he's doing that much. He's probably still touring the world. You know, he has a son that plays basketball. Where? Where's he? Playing? I cannot remember. He he plays college basketball at a major program. Yeah, I know. Like, um, only celebrities I know of. Well, no, Bill Murray's son is a coach. Really? Yeah. Where at? Um, some team that wears blue and white. I feel it's like Xavier or Memphis or like Providence, something like that. Okay. Yeah. His um, he is a huge fan of basketball. That I did not know. I knew Bruce he had a Hardy. son. Yeah, he's a he huge He looks fan. like a tall person. Yeah, he is. He's tall. <laughs> I saw him on some movie where it was a random scene at the end of the movie where he just comes in and plays like mandolin rain on piano and then gets up and leaves. And he's taller than everybody. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, he's got two sons. Uh, one runs Division One track at, uh, at Oregon. And then mm-hmm. his other son plays Division One basketball at UNC Asheville. Okay. And transferred to LSU. So, yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've been under, I've, I imagine they're tall like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, um, I don't want to say that does it for our our big topic. I don't think it was our big topic. It was just something that was on my mind. I felt we could um, that was relevant to the times. Mm-hmm. Um. And um, you know, other these are other songs like I it's. My playlist is called hashtag black lives matter. Um, but I feel like there are like a hundred hundreds of playlists on Spotify <laughs> called that. So, um, I'll share it on our Facebook page. Um, what the actual title of the playlist will be and you'll, you'll know it. Uh, but other artists on the list include, uh, Sam cook, Gil Scott Heron, uh, public enemy, James Brown, D'Angelo, there's another a song called The Charade from the Black Messiah album. Okay. Um Marvin Gaye, The Impressions, NWA. Um there's a song this had a bunch of people on it. I haven't even listened to it, but in trying to find some songs it I came across it. Um there's a song called Don't Shoot and it has Rick Ross. Well, it's by the game. Like okay. he's the, uh, the his, primary yeah, the primary artist, but also has Rick Ross, two chains, Diddy, fabulous Wale, DJ Khaled, Swiss beats, oh, wow. Yo Gotti, currency problem, King Pharaoh and TGT. How long is it? It's a six minute song. Jeez. <laughs> it's like, if you just give each yeah, person like, one verse, on, like... is it TGT? Like, is that the Tyrese genuine tank yeah. trio? It might be. <laughs> <sighs> that was very short lived. That song is on the list. So. I found out that that was a thing when it was ending. <laughs> um, yeah, they tried to they tried to do. Remember LSG? I loved LSG. <laughs> LSG made it work. Yeah. They um, do. So um, you'll see the list, the the playlist on our Facebook page, and um, you can subscribe to it. I might make it collaborative. People can add songs. That'd be cool. Um, so what I want to get to before we get out of here is. My earworm of the week. Um, 
I just started listening to this guy's album. It's his sec. It's his second album I've been listening to, but it's very good. Uh, it's Anderson Pack or Anderson Dot Pack. I'm not sure how because like, <laughs> there's a period in it. Like yeah. India Re has yeah. a like he has that too. So um, I'm just calling him Anderson Pack for now because I think that's his actual name. <laughs> but um, let's do his album. His second album called Malibu. His first album was called Venice. He is from California, and the song that I've been listening to a lot is a song called uh, Am I Wrong uh, with Schoolboy Q. Um, it has, um, the when I first heard it, and I, I read a little bit about it, it's like, oh, he's, he'd been listening to some disco music and stuff. The first thing I thought of was Jay Boogie's Dubtronic Science. Ooh. Like, it had, like, with that kind of, like, that dance tempo. Yeah. And then having the disco influence. Um, that's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> All the way to 2002, 2002, somewhere around there. Yeah. But it reminded me of that. And um, I'm pl- I've been playing that a lot. He has always an, another song I've been listening to um, called uh, Room in Here, um, which has the game on it. But uh, Anderson Pack kind of sounds like a, a raspier CeeLo Green. Okay. A little bit. Um, I get some CeeLo Green vibes. I get some, um, um, I guess you would say maybe a little Toro Imwa. He raps too. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just, I, it's, it's a really nice song. It, it, it may, it, you may also think of like being in a skating rink when you hear it too. <laughs> <laughs> Someone um, going skating today, actually. <laughs> um, I still can't skate. That sucks. It's not too late, though. No, it's not too I late. I still walk. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to play. Uh, hold on. My Spotify is freezing a little. Okay, here we go. I know it was a single. I just wanted to play that. Okay, so this is Am I Wrong by Anderson Pack featuring Schoolboy Q. Voila. Yeah. I'm only coming out to play. Nothing more that I hate in this life. The wrong impression. I only have one to make. You can open your palm, waiting to catch a break. The cards will fall where they may. And what about me? 
Schoolboy Q, Am I Wrong? It's on his second album called Malibu, um, which I'm trying to get through if I'm not playing like every other song or repeat. <laughs> I'll eventually get through it. But um, yeah, so check that out. And we also, I'm also starting a playlist. Um, I gotta have a better name because the, the title of the podcast is so long. Um, by the time the you hear this, of each, of each, um... B-T-T-Y-H-T like that's earworms. a that's a really popular thing to do yeah. as of late. <laughs> B-T-T-Y-H-T earworms is the playlist. Because I keep seeing people doing that with that um, the Rihanna song, Rihanna and Calvin Harris song. People started. I was like, "What is? That? Oh wait, that's the song." Okay, <laughs> like they just do that like very T-I-W-Y-C-F? Yeah, I think so. I saw. I kept seeing that, and I was like, "What does that mean?" But that's what people are doing <laughs> nowadays. Like that's the thing. Um. All right, so. That's what it'll be called. And I'll, I'll make that on a, put that on our Facebook page as well. And you can subscribe. There's only going to be four songs there, but, <laughs> um, there will be more. So no worries there. Um, so we're coming up on the end of the podcast. We have talked about everything we want to talk about, at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you have, do you have a moment in pop music history you want to share? Not, that nothing that we can go into that quickly other than Emerson Hart was born um, this week on the 21st, which is, happens to be my birthday. I thought that was interesting. I thought Nick Carter was born on that day, but they didn't say it or either the website just didn't care enough about him to put him on there. <laughs> they didn't um, care enough. I don't think they what did. I saw that did happen <laughs> this week that started was Woodstock 99, which we do not have time to go into. That's oh, a whole, yeah. That's oh. a, yeah. Once we start talking about music festivals, yeah, the good go and the bad and the ugly and the ugly <laughs> and the weird and yeah, yeah. that will definitely be one of them. Because I think they had the they had good intentions. Yeah, it was supposed to be the 
thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, and it just because Woodstock like, '94 was that went well. Yeah, I think right? so. I believe so. Yeah, the twenty fifth anniversary went well, but then '99 there was they corporatized. It, there's a whole yeah. yeah, it's too much to go into right now. Yeah. But yeah, that occurred. This that started. Um, I believe it's the twenty fourth. Back in '99, it started on that day. Well, um, okay, so that that may be a topic. If it's not for next week, we'll definitely get to it. I def- music festivals is definitely a, something uh, we should talk about. Agreed. So, um, by the time you hear this podcast, you will, like I said, you will want to take some picket signs and go out in the streets, <laughs> but also don't be afraid to have the uncomfortable conversation because. It is absolutely necessary. So you can find us at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, uh, let me make sure when I put in the URL, do you have to spell out you all the way? Possibly still looking at it. Yes. Spell out each word the normal way. <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this subscribe on iTunes subscribe to it on your podcast app if you have an iPhone or iPad if you have an Android you can download the Podomatic app mm-hmm. there should be a Podomatic app and you can subscribe to us there just search by the time you hear this see the multicolored pair of headphones which is our temporary logo and uh, subscribe there whether you want to stream the podcast or download it um we'll we'll know (laughs) we'll we'll know how many downloads or streams that there are so uh either way is appreciative Mm -hmm. to us so uh anything like that before we get out of here no i think it's all been said (laughs) especially taken to the streets i wish that that's i love that song too i don't know if that's a true protest song or not but i do love that song close enough it's close enough (laughs) we'll we'll add taking it to the streets (laughs) um just because that that's well, yeah, it's ideal right now. So that'll do it for the, by the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg, he's Ben and we out. Peace. Peace.